You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this special episode, episode 71 of the Brighton Rock podcast, with me, Russell Guyver, and my usual cohort once again, Mr. Peter Marsh. How are you, Peter? Good, thanks, Russ. Yeah, you? Excellent. Not bad. So you're on the uh, the apple juice tonight. That's a little bit weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, losing your touch. <laughs> um, I'd say it's a special podcast because we're doing the first of what I hope will be a series of features on non-league football in Sussex um, to go alongside what we do with the Albion. And we are very privileged and delighted to be joined by two people associated with Worthing Football Club. We have Angela Tanner and we have Peter Vale. So hello, guys. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, first of all, Ange, um, tell us what you do at the club. Oh, thank you. Hello. And uh... Uh, good evening. It's uh, thank you very much for, for inviting us on. Looking forward to it. Uh, so, so my uh, my involvement with the club. I'm um, secretary of the supporters association, and I also help out on the club's management team, doing project management and that sort of thing. Yeah, excellent. And Peter, what's your role with club? Well, basically, I do um, match day commentary for for the team. Um, it's not official Worthing, it's through the Supporters Association. Um, yeah. I also do the Rebel Yell podcast, and I'm on a Supporters Association, and I'm also in a group called the Communication and Fan Engagement Team to get to get us closer to the club so we, we can drift, uh, drip feed news down to the fans. Yeah, excellent, brilliant. Um, I have listened to the, um, the Rebel Yell podcast or your episodes so you get a bit of a um, backstory I've been, well, I've been listening to it anyway just to have a, have a listen it's great to hear how things are going a great name by the way for the podcast thumbs up to that that's superb um so it's it's worth a, a listen for anyone interested i would recommend checking that out um i think it's available on all the usual platforms isn't it peter is that right yes it is uh, spotify google or, or, or the rest of them we haven't quite made the bbc yet but yeah. <laughs> only a matter of time we know how you feel <laughs> so yes what we wanted to do was to talk all things worthing really um 
I should say for anyone that doesn't know who's not a regular listener, I'm a Worthing boy born and bred, and I have been along to Woodside Road on a number of occasions through the years, but I've been, as I live in London and have done for quite a long time now, don't get to, along to games very often whatsoever now. Um, the last game, and that was in isolation by some margin, was the pre-season friendly, I think, um, between Worthing and I think it was a, one of the age groups for Worthing, uh, from Brighton, it was probably the 21s, I think, in a pre-season friendly that was probably about three years ago i think and i haven't been able to get down since but things have been uh, quite eventful haven't they worthing in the recent years um I've, they've always traditionally been an ismian league club um for as long as i can remember they've gone up and down through the divisions a bit they are currently in the ismian league prem and they're big fish in it at the moment we'll get into that in more detail later but um in terms of the general background for worthing they've they had a few years in the wilderness um how long have you guys been associated with the club and have you been there during that period um, in terms of the rise back to the Premier League of the, of the yeah, over to Peter, I think, first, who wants to have a word on that one. Go for it. Yeah, basically, I've only been in, involved with the club for, for, a couple of, um, for a couple of seasons and it was just basically through a, a friend of mine um, at, at, my, at the pub, basically. Um, he said, have you been up to Worthing? I, no. No, not been up there. He said, well, you should go up there, have, have, have a look at it. Um, went there, one match, and uh, I haven't missed many games since, to be honest. Excellent. Right. Getting hooked. Yeah. It's, it's always a good thing. That's great, great to hear. And Ange? Yeah, same, same sort of thing, really. I'd, um, I'd never seen a live football match until I went to see Worthing play about four years ago. And uh, it, was, um, it was a cup game against Leatherhead. And uh, it was a September afternoon. It was one of those like, lovely afternoons. The sun was shining, unusually. Uh, the sun was shining. It was a great game. Uh, there was, um, it was a 3-3 draw, so lots of goals. So it was really exciting. For somebody who'd never watched a live, uh, a live football match before, it was really exciting. And you were so close to, uh, to the action. You, know, you could actually see those people running up and down and you know, doing their stuff. And uh, Omar, who you might recall, um, Omar Bagheel was uh, playing at that time, um, who was absolutely brilliant. So I think it was probably the best possible introduction you could have to, uh, uh, to a local football match. And, uh, and after that, uh, my husband Mike and I uh, started going to virtually every game, same as Pete, really. Having seen, having seen them play, you think, wow, this is fantastic. So uh, going to virtually every game, season ticket holders, Join the sports association, sucked into the whole thing. But uh, yeah, it's a great experience. I'm really enjoying yeah, it. It's definitely something so so addictive. I think for those that haven't been, and you could talk to talk to blindly about this, they just wouldn't understand. But just like anything, you see, it's quite easy to get into something and then to get hooked. And I think there's a certain charm about non-league, and I don't mean that in a patronising way to anybody. It's just it's great. It's, it really is grassroots football in the sense of as a supporter, you know, really feeling in touch, as you said, being close to the to, to the to the goal or to the players or you know, whatever you choose to stand in the state in the stadium. Um it's always a great experience. Um you tend to notice or at least either have or notice, I don't know which it is, more characters at the games as well. Um and I'm sure inevitably you tend to get to know people in more well certainly in terms of percentages of, of fan base, you tend to get to know more people, don't you? Um, and things yeah. like the clubhouse, I think people do tend to also gravitate towards certain areas of, um, uh, of the ground as well. Yeah. So you have your stand and then, of course, you're always there. Yeah. So you then have a group of people who also always stand there. 
so you get to know them and uh we we actually ran a little um a little kind of a quiz uh in um in our newsletter so say you know what kind of supporter are you? you know do you go to the um the north stand which is behind where the um the dugouts are and managers are which is a witty repartee stand you know so that, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then you've got the uh You've got the clubhouse, which is obviously for the, the people who like going in the bar because you're close to the bar. You're never too far away from that. You can just jump out, watch a bit of football and get back in the bar again. And uh, then, of course, there's behind the goals, which, um, you know, Pete is, uh, is uh, well, when he's not commentating, he's, um, he's probably a behind the goal person. Well, what kind of, what would you say, Pete, behind the goal, witty repartee or? <laughs> <laughs> um well, yeah, I was part of the away boys, but obviously, um, you know, I've I've had to sacrifice that with doing the commentary. Um, you know, I would I would still love to be there, but obviously, there's a section of our fans who can't actually make the games. Um, you know, we've got people abroad and everything like that. So, so yeah, I have sort of sacrificed that. Um, but yeah, as long as I'm getting to all the games, and I haven't missed a game since December 2018, so I'm not doing too badly. That's good. So no chanting on the mic. It wouldn't really work, would it? Really? No, I've, I've got I've got three rules because I have different co-commentators help me, and the three okay. are no sweet, no swearing, no drinking. You can have a pint in the first half and a pint in the second half, and and no singing. Those are the three rules. Hang on, no drinking, but you can have a pint in each half. Oh, you you can have a pint in each. Yeah, because <laughs> we, that we, sounds like <laughs> We, we, we don't want, yeah, two pints is nothing, is it? Uh, we don't want people after four pints before three o'clock coming on the mic and carrying no, yeah. in a bit, you know. And then they start swearing and singing, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can normally yeah, hear it. singing going on in the, uh, in the background, though, can't you? And if, if you're really lucky, you can hear uh, uh, our, uh, our manager expressing his uh, free and frank opinion in a variety of, uh, in yes, a variety definitely. of ways. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> That's thrown a couple of things up I wanted to say. First of all, did, uh, just a, um, you may have heard mention of James, which is James Easton, that's right, isn't it, who helps you out sometimes with commentaries. So he was unfortunately he was hoping to come on today as well, but was unable to. So shame he couldn't join us, but maybe on another occasion. Um, but So hello to him if he's listening. Um, and the other I thing just, you mentioned, the way... Sorry, sorry. I'll, just say, I'll just say as well, because um, James, James, James helps a lot. Um, Sam Virgo helps a lot as well. Um, so I'll give a shout out to him. And also... Uh, Gary Cohen, who's a chairman of the Supporters Association, he, he helps out as well. So, so sort of three of them. And if I'm struggling to get somebody tied down, then I'll put a, I'll put a, a, a message in the away boys chat and get someone you know to volunteer to help yeah. me. So, yeah, it's, so it's varied and it gets shared about a bit. Yeah, just a quick word on away boys. I mean, people will probably have gathered from what you've just said that they are the essentially the ultras group, aren't they? For uh, the singing and all that stuff. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Bear in mind, you remember, obviously you'll be the man to ask. Um, how did that come about? You, any idea when that started and yeah, what's I involved? Think, yeah, it was, it was a, chap, a chap called um, called Dean. Um, he started it in 20, 2015. Um, and it was just a group of fans and basically it's just grown, uh, just making people welcome, <laughs> you know, when they, when they come to the games. If you see a stranger standing there, talk to him integrate them into the group um and 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 it's just built and built and built i know i know dean's done uh, you know quite a lot of um articles in different publications about it and also a gentleman called charlie silver burr um he's done some articles and spoke about your way boys 
Um, but yeah, it's it's just a group that seems to seems to sort of grow each season. Um, and obviously, we've now managed to get a link into the supporters association. So if the away boys have got any issues, they can go to supporters association, and supporters association in turn can talk to the club. Um, and it also also helps us with things like if the, you know if there's any incidents in the stadium, um, if people trying to bring flares in all the rest of it. Obviously, we discourage all of that. Um, but sometimes you do get a bit of you know um, people at bar from Brighton probably <laughs> who come, <laughs> come along with a flare just to try and upset us. But <laughs> only joking. Um, but yeah, you do get the odd incident. And obviously, you know, the away boys do try and self-police if we see any bad behaviour, any homophobic chanting, um, anything like that, any, you know, sort of really bad language towards us opposition goalkeepers or, or, or whatever. So we do try and, uh, try and self-police and, and j- just keep the fans well behaved. And, you know, Worthing is a community club and we, we want to keep it that way to draw more fans in. Yeah, I, I think... I think something that that is um that is uh, quite noticeable and which really impressed me when I first uh, came along to Worthing is the age range of people and so the um the away boys there's a lot of um, a lot of younger folk in there uh, as as well as you know your sort of stalwart um, folk who you'd imagine going to football matches you know so possibly a bit older blokes you know that kind of thing but like me fact, <laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't possibly say Pete but um, no it, it's it's interesting to see there there really is um, a really good range of um, range of ages, and uh, in the north stand stand of Witty Repartee, obviously there's um, let's say uh, there's a group of um, single women if you like, um, so women who've got partners who don't like football, and uh, and we all kind of stand together together there, you know, friends, and so it really is it's a very um, it's a very family orientated club. And of course, if unless everybody goes along with that, you know, if you have got um, fans who were, you know, swearing and antisocial and unpleasant, then you couldn't have that environment. And so the fact that uh, people can be passionate yeah. about um, about football, and they can be passionate about their team, but they're also welcoming as well. You know, so it, it's really um, it's really important. And I think something that um, that you do see at Worthing, and it's it's an attractive thing about it. I think that's great. And I think that's that's the interesting balance between the old school of, you know, standing, singing, venting frustration, the old school stuff about being a supporter, um, married with the newer stuff of the more family friendly environment that's come post Hillsborough and the, you know, the all-seater stadiums and so on. That's somewhere in between, isn't it? Which is perfect. So it's still friendly. It's still an acceptable space for anyone to come. But it's got some of the liveliness that you can tend to lose from the sanitised environment that is saucy to stadia on quite a few occasions. Um, not mentioning Brighton, of course, we're fine, but uh, <clears throat> but some, some clubs, you, you do get some terrible atmospheres, it's true, um, certainly proportional to the number of people that are there. So I think that's great. I think it's, it's really good. It's good to hear that dynamic. And from my experiences of going to non-league games that don't involve a team I've principally been a uh, sort of fan of, for example, I live up in Enfield in North London, I've gone along to quite a few Enfield games. Wouldn't call myself a supporter, but just a, um, an interested spectator, you could say, because uh, it's my local area. And they've got a nice dynamic. It's really friendly. You've got the you've got the clubhouse bar. You can have a pint. You can chat to people who are associated with the club within minutes without even trying to. And you get all those experiences you said, Ange, about being close to the pitch and getting a real close um, view of the action. And 
there's a good atmosphere. There's actually a few people singing there, which was decent. Um, I've got a friend, Dan Healy, aka Early, if you're listening early, hello to you, um, who I know through the Albion. Uh, but he's from Whitehawk and he's gone along to watch Whitehawk games. And as you know, they've got a big ultras group who are very, um, it's, it's without being rude, it's quite a tough area. And Whitehawk, it's one of the most deprived boroughs, I think. And it's, um, you know, it can be an edgy area. But when it comes to the football, there's no homophobia. There's no swearing in the songs. That's one of their um, their mantras. And it's incredible how there's a certain new sort of subculture of football going on in that sense. They get keys out for corners or something and all these kind of crazy things going on. Um, I've also got a friend who's from Sussex, from Burgess Hill, lives in South London, who goes along sometimes to Dulwich Hamlet games. Who of course, have had a lot of high profile publicity for what's been going on with them. And they've got a massive group of singers at their games as well. They get really big crowds. And I've been pretty impressed with that. So when yeah, it came to wording and singing... Really impressed as well. The whole whole setup there is really impressive. What they've done. Yeah. And yeah, how they sourced yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, found, I do. I do love the um the chance where you quite often you can can actually hear what the words are and uh, and what. But they they the majority of them are really funny. You know, they they are really yeah. funny. And I'm sure Pete would know some of the less food ones that you might want to share. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I you know because I, I don't stand with them anymore. So um, this, I know they've got they've got a couple of new ones that you know they try to do new ones every season, especially with new players. Um, but you know the way they the way they think them up because uh, we've got a Reese Meekums who's a, a right winger, and you know you know it's things like from the David Barry song. There's a star man running down the wing, and, and things like that. Or or Marvin Armstrong in his um. Is is in his red boots and his chest is something massive. Um, just just <laughs> the way they think him up, I I don't know, but yeah, it's absolutely you know it's yeah it's really good and every everyone gets involved with it because I think people forget that at our level they think that you know one man and his dog turns up, but our average last season was eight hundred and fifty three, and against Bog now we had over eighteen hundred people there, so I you know it's that's not gone up, hasn't it? I think quite a lot in recent years because last the times when I used to go, I wouldn't say that friendly, obviously, but in previous times when I've gone to competitive games, I'm, I can't really remember, but I, I don't think they had that sort of number. I think the numbers have grown, and I think that goes with this culture, doesn't it? This sense yeah. of the- I, I think since um, George Dow took over, um, he's, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. taking the club to another level. You know, from five years ago to where it is now. Obviously, I wasn't involved back then. Um, but it's 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 a totally totally different animal because I, I hear all the stories of what it was like and um, old owners things like that. You know the club was in a lot of debt, um, and George came along and saved it. And even George has got his own song about saving the club. So yeah, so you know he's he's grown it, he's brought it through through you know through the principles of community, bringing new young players through, and yeah, it's growing and growing. I think eight fifty yeah. is an average is higher than a couple of conference teams as well. I think it's at least one or two at the bottom level of the rock and run of the conference. So yeah, a couple of levels up from you guys that's that are lower than that. So that's impressive. Yeah, which says I, it's I, got potential too. Mm. Sorry, go on, Ash. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I think um, what Pete was saying there about George's um, focus on it on the club as a community club, and that um, that is is say a very attractive thing about it. So the idea that uh, anybody, no matter what their level of age, you know their age or their ability. 
is welcome to come in and join the football family. So you might want to either play in a football team, you might want to support, whatever it is, and encouraging people to come along. So going right from children coming along to the development centre, which is a bit of fun, a bit of extra training for them. Then it goes into more formal education, so they've got an educational um, element there. Then you've got all the youth teams, so you can work, you know, the pathway they call it, and they say so you can work your way through that. And then, of course, onto the first team. And I think one of the exciting things about Worthing is seeing young players coming through and you'll see them playing in the youth team and then they'll be on the first team, which you think, you know, God, that's quite, quite risky, really. You know, you want to buy in some expensive people and if you've got the money and, uh, and get them playing. Whereas, in fact, the, the, whole, the whole principle is about growing our own. You know, you get local people where you can and they come along, get stuck in. And I think one of the exciting things we're, we're, we're looking forward to is looking at more development on the girls and women's uh, pathway as well. Mm. So uh, at the moment, the, the boys, our lads are pretty well sorted out, but um, we've got a bit of a gap in the middle where we've got uh, the development centre for, for girls who can come along. And then we've got the, uh, the women's team, which is doing really well. I and mean, they, they had so many points uh, last season. They were going to be promoted. They couldn't be passed. They couldn't be passed. So they were go, um, due to be promoted. And of course, that was expunged. So you think... That's great, isn't it? So uh, anyway, they're back in again and doing really yeah. well. Uh, so um, we'll uh, we'll carry on supporting them and uh, hope to see them promoted this uh, this year. But it's it's then about how do you fill the gaps? You know, can you signpost uh, people to um, to other clubs perhaps who, who do girls matches or girls teams? And how do you connect the whole thing together? Because we're you know we're all in it together and we all get to share the same players at some point as they all move around. So it's um, I think that community sense is something that George. Um, felt was really important and he's built it into the way that the club works and the way that we think it's part of the culture of it and that's um yes it's an exciting thing to be involved in you, you know we've been in, in Worthing 100 years over 100 years as a club and uh, so you know building up that that kind of feeling within the community and having people able to come along and enjoy it is really important and and it does work you know you can see it actually working with our that, you know, young players coming through and, of course, then progressing to other areas, which Pete would know more about that, where uh, some of our players have gone on to better things, which is a bit, bit annoying. But oh, it's, uh, more, it's more, it's more, yeah, it's more, more than annoying. <laughs> it's good for them, well, it's good for them. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the women's game, I think, has, has grown exponentially. It's, it's been brilliant to see. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels, actually, between Albion and Worthing from what you've just described. It sounds like you could almost be describing the Albion as well. So, I mean, in terms of collective, collectively gathering all of the elements together and, and allowing them to develop together, which is it's good to make it feel all an inclusive one unit, effectively, which is great mm -hmm. to see. Um, you mentioned players good moving on. I think one, one such name I've heard of is Finn Stevens, isn't it, who moved to Brentford. I think he was an Arsenal Academy guy, wasn't he, originally? But he came to Worthing and then yeah, he's, yeah, he got signed he, for Brentford about a few months ago, wasn't it? That's it. He came, he came, to, um, came to Worthing from, from Arsenal um, at 16, went through the Academy for a season, uh, broke into the, into the first team. Um, the start of the season, he didn't really feature that much because um, we had an, a, another player, Cole Brand, who, you know, he, he's the sort of player that you're not going to drop. Um, so Adam had to switch it to give uh, Finn a chance and Finn played all the back end of last season. He was absolutely exceptional. He's about, yeah, he's about eight stone ringing wet. 
<laughs> he's getting absolutely clattered by some of these big lumps in our division because some of them are big he's, lumps. He's a midfielder, isn't he, Peter? He was playing at left back, right back. He'd done a bit in midfield. Um, he's a very versatile player. Um, he mainly played, you know, played at the back for us. But yeah, he'd get clattered, and like I say, he'd, he'd just get up, brush himself off, and, he, and he's off again. Um, def, definitely, you know, um, I, I was, I've debated this with quite a few people that I couldn't quite give him player of the season because he hadn't played the whole season, but he'd have been very, very close. And you could just see the, the quality that he had, um, the time he'd make himself on the ball, um, how he'd distribute it. Um, he, was just, he was just an absolute talent. And you knew, when I, when I, I got a message and it said, uh, oh, Finn's gone to Brentford, I, I, was, I was gutted. <laughs> but very, very happy for him because I'd got to know him quite well and I got to know his mum quite well as well. Because I, you go into training and everything, so I've got to know his mom, and we've built a great relationship. And I'm hoping I've put the call in, <laughs> and I've asked Finn's Finn's mom to chase this up with Brentford that I can might be able to get him on the next uh, Rebel Yell podcast, so we can oh, have brilliant. a chat have a chat with him about his move and how life's going for him there. That's a yeah, massive interest. Five levels. That's that's huge. So. And also yeah. five levels, and then looking to go up as well. I mean, Brentford are uh, pushing for the Premier League. That's a, yeah. yeah. And he's already he's already start, he's already started in the first team as well this mm. season. I think if a club comes in for you at that level, that will be the club you would want to come in for you at that level because they've got such a good reputation, haven't they, for stepping the players on, getting them into the next step. So they're not only just good enough to play for Brentford, but they've. Well, looking at yeah. the track record, they they move generally move on, don't they? That's um, it. And with their with their under twenty threes as well, they don't actually play in the league. They mm. they go they go around Europe and play different teams around Europe, so that builds great experience up for those players um, for the under twenty threes. But like I say, Finn seems to have skipped that and gone straight sort of into into the first team. So Which is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, actually, there's some similarities with Albion there because we we do the same thing. We've built up quite a quite a, a large collection of players of that age group who generally going on loan either either in the UK or abroad. And I think it is the better way to give them their training. Um, it's it's funny we've got a lot of links with Brentford. Um, Tony Bloom, our chairman, and and uh, Matthew Benham at uh, Brentford are uh, I think business rivals. <laughs> it's best to describe. Um, so it's interesting that they've um, they've come up in conversation and. And been involved in uh, in in developing players in a similar way, um, but that's a great club, and it's such a shame for them not not to go up and be, regardless of that, not to have had fans in stadiums uh, in the new stadium when they've they've opened it. But um, um, we'll come on to a little bit more about uh, Worthing Stadium later. By the way, remind me to talk about that later on. Angie's looking nervous as if I'm going to ask her about the things she told me not to ask her about. <laughs> Worthing fans will probably already know what this means if they're listening. Um, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. But first, just turning back to the other Peter, I mean, you have been born and brought up in the Barnet and Finchley kind of areas, haven't you? You have migrated, but only to South London. Um, so Barnet, Barnet, the club that was local to you growing up, they were um, in and out of the league, weren't they, I think, at the time? Were they, were they in national? what's now the National League when you first started so um, becoming aware of football. They just got in the league, but that was just after. So probably when I first started watching, they they just they were in yeah the top of the what's now national league, and then yeah they went up about ninety 
91, 92, something like that. They lost their first game in a League 7 4 at home to Crew and then drew five all in a League yeah. Cup, which is quite an interesting start at home to Brentford, ironically. That is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should explain to, to you guys that um, Peter's dad's from Brighton, isn't he? And uh, that's thus the, the Albion connection. Um, so growing up and going to school in North London must have been wonderful for, for Peter. Poor lad, Arsenal and Spurs fans. I was above Brighton for quite a lot of the time I was at school. <laughs> Which shows you how far yeah. we've, we've come since then, really. Certainly the yeah. last couple of years I was at school, we were we were at least head-to-head with Barnett, if not below them. And that's, that's one side of the equation. The other side is the side probably that Peter, you've got, which is that people may have noticed um, first hearing your dulcet tones that they are the tones of someone from Worthing, but they are from a little bit further north, but not up north, so to speak. Um, do you want to explain where you're from and who your, well, the, the, the club of your heart originally was and uh, a little bit about that? Yeah, I was, um, I, I was born in Birmingham. Um, so not many people pick up on it these days, to be honest, because I've been down here nearly 25 years. So you've obviously got a good ear. Um, so, but yeah, they only pick up after I read a few Jack Daniels in the night. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I grew up, grew up in South Birmingham. Um, and I, all my family were Birmingham or Villa football, you know, fans. Uh, so I rebelled and I was brought in Nottingham Forest. They were doing quite well at the time. So <laughs> I don't know if that has something to do with it. Um, so, yeah, I used to I used to follow Nottingham Forest. I've, I've you know, uh, travelled quite a few places with, with Forest back in the um, late 80s, early early 90s. So I'm giving away my age now, aren't I? Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so I followed them. And when I moved down here... Um, I went to all their games around the South Coast as much as I could. Um, you know, Palace, uh, Brighton, when we played Brighton. Uh, I had that pop up as a memory the other day on Facebook when we played you, but I think it was four or five years ago. I think we beat you 3 1 at your place. Um, yeah, you oh, probably yes. don't, don't remember. Uh, but we no, did. Don't to that say that mind more yeah. <laughs> Erase that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, yeah, um, so that's what I used to do, just follow Forest around the south, because obviously on the south coast, you've got that semicircle effect, haven't you, where everything's only within a sort of certain range, and you're like, yeah, is that doable, and, and the rest of it. So, so yeah, so it was, it was a godsend to me when I found Worthing, although I travel with, you know, with them everywhere now, but, but obviously, because we're confined to the south, everything's sort of within two hours, so it, it's not so bad as if Forest were playing, like, you know, Sunderland or... You know, team teams like that, right What's up the north. What's the away trip you guys have then each season? Uh, I'd say it's Brightling Sea Regent, and you're going to ask where are they, and I'm going to go to, over sort of by Norwich somewhere. <laughs> so it's a bit of a trek, though. Bit of a trek. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a bit of a trek. <laughs> yeah, Bad but, and are you uh, living in London, let alone from Brighton? Mm. Are you in Worthing itself, Pete? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm 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 sort of uh, just about eight minute walk from the town centre. So, oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the heart of Worthing. So, and I'm about right. a, t- a ten minute, ten to fifteen minute walk from the club. So, perfect. That's it's right. Perfect. And it is that's right, isn't it? It's, it's nice to be able to walk to the games. And um, Ange, what about yourself? Where are you living? And um, would you like to explain that you've got maybe a little less detectable accent? Um, but you also are not originally a Worthing girl, are you? <laughs> that, that is correct. Yes. Uh, no, I come from. Um, I was born in Wolverhampton, so just just across from uh, from where Pete's from. 
uh, in the back country. And uh, then I came down to the South Coast um, for work. I got a job down on the South Coast. And uh, then I met my husband to be and uh, got married. And I've been here for Winworthing for, um, for over 20 years. Well, over 30 years now, yes. Yeah, so I have moved around a little bit. But um, oh, well. yeah, so uh, but um, I live uh, live now just um, well just on the outskirts of uh, of Worthing in Towing, and uh, I'm about a 15 minute walk from um, from Woodside, which is lovely because uh, you can just walk down there and uh, you know nice and yeah. local, so that's good. Yeah, nice nice roads, nice way to walk as well, isn't it? It's decent yeah. around there. Good. Yeah, excellent. So, is your husband a Worthing fan as well? And if yeah, not, have you converted? Mad keen, mad keen Worthing fan. He's, he's been he already? The, um, all the stats and stuff than I am. I just like to come along and watch it. But he's, uh, he's there like on the Twitter and you know getting all the programs and sort of reading <laughs> the last hundred years worth of information about it. You know, all that. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing. I don't know if this is right, but I'm guessing then that he got you into uh, the games, did he? Yes. Yeah. It was because um, he he'd been saying saying for a while like, it would be really good to um, to follow a local team because he's um, he, he's always followed um, Arsenal because that's where his family came from. But um, he was saying what it'd be really good to go to a local team. Oh, yeah, why not? And uh, we went with a couple of friends. And as I say, after the um, the first match, I just thought this is absolutely brilliant. So I was totally converted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no interest in it whatsoever to be totally converted. So we've uh, we've been going to uh, uh, the games. Uh, I mean, virtually every home game we we, we go to. Um, we've um, uh, we started doing the cooking for the women's team. So you know they have to provide food for the uh, the away team when they come to visit. And so we uh, we offer to do the cooking for 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 them. So we we were doing the men's uh, going to see the men play on the Saturday and then doing the cooking for the women on the Sundays so that's um so been just absorbed into Worthing Football Club <laughs> and, and, Angela, and Angela does the best garlic bread thank you very much thank yeah. you. oh right I'm coming down <laughs> <laughs> that's very tempting I do like a bit of garlic bread I have to say macaroni yeah, um, cheese lasagna and garlic bread it's uh it's uh the kind of thing you only been running around it got really cold uh, apparently on the football pitch when you come off it's a very nice thing to have so, uh, Perfect. And it's all right. It's okay if everyone has it, isn't it? That's the point. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned about teams as well, you know, your husband having the Arsenal connection. Um, did you have a, a team as well when you Ange, when you were growing up in the local area? Were you a Wolves fan? Um, I, I did have a, have a vague idea about Wolves. My, my parents um, didn't uh, follow any football at all, so they weren't into that, uh, that at all. But I did go to school with Derek Dugan's daughter. So um, that probably tells you something about my age as well. <laughs> and so that, that, that sparked, um, sparked some degree of interest. And I seem to remember that we um, the, uh, the Wolves did quite well at, at around that time. And then uh, then it all just faded away, really. And that was, uh, that was it. My, my interest went into other things. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting how you can have, I mean, that's the thing, you can have um, coexisting affiliations, can't you, for a, a bigger club and a and a non-league club. I think that's the beauty of it. It doesn't really clash. And even if it does clash, if, you know, if Worthing play Forest, for example, I'm sure you'd be Worthing fan for the day, wouldn't you, Pete, as opposed to the Forest fan again? Or Abs would you? Abs <laughs> abs no, absolutely. Because I've, I've absolutely, you know, sort of since I've been going to it, I've, you know, literally put, pulled my heart and soul into it, try, you know, try, trying to, you know, help the club in any way I can, to be honest, because I've, en I've enjoyed it so much. So, you know, sometimes I'm there on a Saturday and someone give me a nudge and I say, oh, Forrest losing. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. 
Um, yeah, because I'm more, I'm more interested in the Worthing result than the, the Forest result. So far this season, that's been pretty much every game, hasn't it? Sadly, it's oh. been it's 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 been every game since um, after lockdown. Yeah, every, well, you've yeah. just had you a know. great appointment at Forest, so uh, it'll be on the up from now. Yeah, I'm. I'm to be honest, I'm quite pleased with that because we're in the space of an hour. I was, I was, we were driving to a game, and somebody said, uh, "Oh, um, Sabri Lamushi's been sacked," and I was like, oh, "I'd have liked him to have been given a bit more time because we've gone through managers like nobody's business." Um, but at the same time, we we're going through players like nobody's business at the moment, uh, which seems a bit daft. See, because you can't get a settled squad. Um, and then his players, he's bought in. So now, yeah, I'm caught. And then half an hour later, so I says to me, oh, uh, Chris Hewton's got the job. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a good appointment. Because as somebody said to me, um, actually a Brighton fan said, he spoke to me at the game and he said, um, you said, the thing you're fine with Chris Hewton is he's loyal. He's a very loyal, honest chap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably the sort of thing that, Forest mm. need to stabilise them. After. We also played some great football. Once he gets you, it may take a little bit of time. The first half season was a bit kind of just sorting yourselves out, and we were we weren't brilliant. But then after that, we played some really good football as well in the Championship. It wasn't yeah. that in the Premier League he was more pragmatic, but in the Championship he played some superb stuff, and we yeah. had some really talented players. That's that's what I was going to say. In you know in in, in Premiership year, which probably cost him his job, is when I watched Brighton. They didn't excite me at all. Mm. It was just like scared to scared to lose the game. Whereas you, you're probably better off going out trying to have a go rather than just trying to sort of sit back and, you know, if you get a goal on the break, then fair enough. But yeah, that that, that was just my thoughts watching Brighton that season. We, we were. The, certainly the second season, it became more, a lot more kind of pragmatic and they... And the last, the second half, it, it was okay. I think while he was getting results, I think he, there was acceptance that it was okay. But then, when form dropped as well, and we were very lucky to stay up that season, it was. But, but in Championship, he played some fantastic stuff, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a great appointment from my point of view. I think I think his record in his last four full seasons in the Championship, in first, second, third, and fourth, which is pretty right. impressive. Yeah, we'll, we'll take we'll take that every day. We'll take that every day. But yeah, but you've done you've yeah, but you've done um. You know, watching Brighton now, it's it's entertaining. It's you know this this season. It's like, it's like a you know last season, um, and players like Lamptey, um, that was an absolute steal. That was is absolutely amazing. Uh, Trossard, Trossard, I think is a very good player. So yeah, I think you know it's looking quite bright for Brighton at the moment. Need to avoid hitting the post and starts hitting it in the net this time. Yeah, it'd be nice when he's in my uh, fantasy team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him in mine as well. I think, I think I have, anyway. Um, yeah, you're not, you're not alone when you say the, the football didn't excite under Hughes in the latter part of the Premier League period. Um, it's true. But I agree with Peter. I think um, it's a great appointment for Forrest. So they'll, they'll do well under him, I think. And hopefully there's a, an element of stability can be had now going forwards. And he's taken his time taking a job and... Um, Hopefully it's a good fit now. He's finally settled on uh, on you guys, and we'll see how that goes. Um, getting back to the the non league scene though, um, obviously we've we've we're in these strange times. I mean, football is all about the people. We've just effectively illustrated that with what we've talked about so far, and it's great to have that. And when we've had COVID come on the scene and really affect how things have gone, obviously. You know, you can't go to the matches. It's not the same just watching on TV. And you, you take what you can, but it's not the same thing. Um, 
for wording obviously the timing wasn't just um just generally annoying it was really appalling wasn't it because you guys had just got into um a brilliant position you were i think was it seven points clear when it, when it got to curtail eight points we're getting assigned eight points clear at the time of curtailment um so you could say with some degree of confidence that that was looking pretty likely you were going to get promoted the season got written off at um at that level obviously you must have been gutted about the case without saying but i mean what what was the general reaction in the broader sense um around the club uh, both in terms of the fans and and with any interaction you have with the people behind the scenes um how did they react to it it must have been difficult yeah when you're you know clear at the top of the league without games to go um it it was a a, a sucker punch as it were because obviously when George Dow came into the club as owner, he had a five-year plan to get us into the National League South. So, so, so basically, yeah, it's, it's stopped that. So we've had to, is, is that to extend that to sort of a six-year plan there. <laughs> so hopefully we'll go this season. But yeah, I, f- I think um, it was a, it was a to- total kick in the teeth. And I think, I think the, the worst part of it was how quickly our league decided to do it. And it was roughly within sort of two and a half weeks of them saying, right, you've got to stop playing. Um, and I don't feel there was any need to rush the decision. They said part of it is because obviously in non-league uh, player contracts only last sort of a year. Um, you know, no one signs two-year deals or three-year year deals at non-league. Um, so they're saying, oh, player contracts and then the players are going to have commitments, et cetera, et cetera. That was sort of, that was sort of their excuse for it. Um, but when you've played full 34 games of a season, then to say basically you've paid for, you, you've played and, you know, myself paying, paying for tickets, paying for petrol, followed a moment away, went to every game. Um, you know, it's like I've been, I've been and watched 34 friendlies. Thank you very much. You know, that's, that's, that's really nice of you. If it had been after sort of 10 games or something, you, you could have understood the decision. Yeah. And, and one of the most annoying things for me was that there was a club and I'm not going to mention, um, isn't the, the manager isn't, is an ex professional player for a big club. Um, and he put a tweet out when the announcement was made, uh, cause their team was in trouble at the bottom of the national south. He puts a tweet out saying, we are staying up, we are staying up. And it was like, that's a bit, you know, not the way to handle it. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I was very annoyed. I don't, I still don't think I'm over it. Um, But at the same time, now that we are back with fans, although it's limited, if we had gone up to the south, we wouldn't be able to have any fans in the stadium. And... Mm. So, you know, you, you're looking at it now and you're like, well, at least I can go to games at, at the moment. Um, so, you, you know, you're sort of looking at it. Was it a blessing in disguise? Uh, but, you know, because if we had gone up to the National League South, then, you know, with the loss of revenue, then we would have probably struggled as a club, etc. But at least we can now um, get, get some revenue in. I don't know if, what Angela's thoughts on all that is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's a brilliant well. point. Yeah, keen to hear this. And also from Pete afterwards as well, other Pete, um, about your take on that and um, and also about the, the divide between what they've done for the National League and what they've done for the Step 3 downwards just seems to be, 
uh, well, perplexing, shall we say, <laughs> might be the best way to describe it. I don't get why there's a difference. But Ange, over to you anyway. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I, I agree with Pete. Um, we were all absolutely gutted. It's just, uh, well, incomprehensible is, is what it felt like. So uh, both, for, say, for the men's and the, uh, and the women's team, uh, it, was, uh, it seemed incredibly unfair and you couldn't really understand the logic behind the decisions that have been made. Uh, but uh, as Pete says, if we had gone up, which was, which was the plan, then where would, we, where would we be now? It would be, um, be very difficult. I mean, it's difficult at the moment anyway, because we have the restrictions on numbers. So it's a, it's a third of uh, ground capacity, which is 600 at our, at our level. And uh, as, uh, as Pete was saying, our average was coming in at um, over 800 uh, a match. Our, uh, our last match, we were totally sold out. So we sold all the tickets, um, all 600. And so you're sort of thinking, well, well, at least we sold them, which is good. And uh, that is a, a form of income. But uh, how teams are going to um, and clubs are going to survive um, over the um, over the coming season? Well, that's 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 interesting. And we're mm. we're making plans in respect of thinking over the season, what, what are the expenses going to be? And uh, one of the key expenses is stewarding. So uh, you might have to make uh, alterations to perhaps the layout of, um, of the ground. Uh, but then there's the, once you've done that, there's then the ongoing cost. So say normally more stewards required, which is, um, which is expensive. And then you've got all the, uh, you know, even just buying sanitizer, um, cleansing materials, PPEs, all, all of that sort of thing. That, that carries on throughout the whole of the season. Uh, so it's, um, and also that's a bit of a double-edged sword because if it, we're, we're calculating where we're going based on if uh, the current restrictions remain as they are. So we're allowed to have spectators, but we're restricted on numbers and social distancing is required and all the other things that go mm. with that. But it could go either, it could go in another direction. So it could get worse, which means no spectators, or it could yeah. get better, which would mean uh, perhaps more spectators and less stewarding. So trying to plan for the uh, for the coming season is extremely is extremely difficult. But none of the options are looking particularly enjoyable, shall we say? No, I think the other thing that's tricky there is because you, you're saying your your average was I think it was eight hundred and fifty three. Did you say over the season? Was that right? Something like that. And so obviously there's a there's a shortfall in terms of um, uh, allowed capacity, shall we say, um, under the current restrictions. So is there a bit of a worry in terms of um, the footfall, the casual supporter that might come along? Because I'm assuming a certain proportion of your fan base week to week is going to be that, isn't it? Um, do you reckon people are either through lack of information or just just not knowing what the government's doing, which is pretty much I think, what everyone in the country is thinking at the moment? Um, are you Are you worried that you'll lose some people longer term who would have been casual, ongoing fans, so to speak? Um, for example, how, well, what is the season ticket um, figures? Do you know any idea on, on top of that? What's what's the actual? How is it just first come first serve on tickets as well for games? Um, no, the uh, the way that we're the way that we're doing it at the moment is that um, all tickets have to be bought before the match, so you can't walk up and uh, walk up and come in. Uh, not not only because there's unlikely to be any tickets because they've all been sold. <laughs> But um, there's, uh, first of all, an allowance for all of the season ticket holders. There's an allowance effectively made for them. So whether they turn up or not, there will be a space for them. Uh, now, that obviously presents us with, uh, with a few challenges because some people will feel that they, they 
um, don't want to go into a, a football ground. They want to risk that, perhaps. Uh, so, um, but that's um, by the by. Uh, people have paid for their tickets, so they um, they must be able to get in. And then after that, there's a percentage released for the away uh, away supporters, but that's quite a small percentage. I don't I don't know whether all of the um, all of the clubs are doing that, but that, that's what we've done this time. And then the rest of them go to um, uh, go to people who are able to go online and purchase the tickets. Uh, although this time we're we're actually going to have a box office uh, available for a limited uh, limited period at the club. So for people who can't get online or who can't figure it all out, they can actually come in and, and speak to a real person who will go onto a computer for them and then actually get the uh, get the tickets off off for them. Oh. So yes, I mean it's um it, it it is it is of concern, but I, I really you know what what can you do? What can you do? We've we've got a very loyal. Um, fan base, and I think that was really reflected in the um, the crowdfunder uh, exercise that we um, we went through earlier in the year. And at that point, we um, we'd applied for a grant at the beginning of the year, anticipating that uh, you know, hoping, anticipating that we were going to be promoted. And under those circumstances, uh, we needed to make some changes to the ground, including uh, being able to segregate the ground, which uh, we couldn't do before. Uh, to, to have facilities both um, both sides of the ground, and our floodlights needed to be improved as well. So the uh, the lighting levels uh, in, from the north stand, when you were looking across the pitch on a cold Tuesday evening and the rain coming in, you couldn't actually see who was playing on the side of the pitch. But uh, but now we've uh, we've got uh, we've got the new floodlights in, and um, we've got uh, catering and toilets uh, on uh, on effectively both sides of the pitch, so we can segregate the pitch. So we'd, uh, we'd applied for a grant from the Football Foundation, which was brilliant, and you then have to match fund uh, part of the grant uh, from your, your own fundraising efforts. So we, uh, we went onto a crowdfunder, created a crowdfunder page, and that was absolutely astonishing. So we, um, we raised over £40,000 in wow. about six weeks, I think. And that was from, um, from supporters putting everything from £20 to £50. But it, it was just uh, amazing. It was, we went over the um, target and uh, had enough to um, also look at some level access, getting a, a better level access uh, into some of the areas. Because we've got all the old stands with the steps on them, so you kind of you know it's all over the place. So uh, being able to create a, a level access um, was uh, is great. So we've been able to do that as well. But um, so we we know that we've got a uh, a really uh, passionate fan base out there. And at, at least, I suppose, if we can't get into the um, uh, in with a ticket to the match, we have Pete and his dulcet tones mm -hmm. on the, on our live broadcast, which we always listen to the away. If we can't get to the away matches, we um, we always listen with enthusiasm, <laughs> and sometimes we even manage to hear both the first and the second half, depending on how the laptop works. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit little bit temperamental, I think you say, Peter, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, that's when because James has got all the technology, so when he's around, it's it's very good. Um, but obviously, I've got a new laptop now, Ange. So yeah, um, looking forward to it. I've I've heard I've talk of a dongle, but I didn't like to ask. You know. <laughs> yeah, so we've um, I've purchased a, a Wi-Fi dongle, so we don't have to rely on any clubs 4G or anything, or my mobile when you're somewhere in the the middle of nowhere, because some of these grounds are in very strange places in non-league, mm. um, and you just cannot get a signal for love nor money. Um, at Folkestone, the first game of the season, we was hanging on the club's Wi-Fi connection, 
uh, about 30 yards from the pitch behind a tree <laughs> trying to view the game and commentate on it. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. But Andrew was right what she said earlier, looking across the pitch with the old floodlights, you couldn't see. Um, yeah, I was going to say, that must have been a nightmare. Yeah. And from the back of the main stands, where I did a commentary final, we couldn't see the opposite side of the pitch. So, so yeah, so when it was over there, it was like, who's that over there? And it was, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. I'm but sure I remember a few games that we've seen like that when it was a bit misty and I couldn't see the other end of the pitch either. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, but yeah, yeah, commentary has its, you know, we, we only started um, away at Brightly and Sea in January with this service. So I'd say, say it's, yes, this year. So it is still in its infancy. So we're going to have TV problems, but I think we are getting there slowly. And yeah, rebelyell.live on a Saturday afternoon, if Brighton fans have got nothing to do, <laughs> feel free to tune in and have a listen. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a game this weekend, isn't there? And we're not playing until Sunday. So yeah, get on it, guys. Have a listen. Um, and I, I mean, I would like to, encourage people to go down to games and obviously at the moment we'll have to put that one on hold because you've got the demand already in there but um longer term i would um certainly recommend it i know a few albion fans who go along to Worthing games yeah we I do think. they do um generally if you're if you're away from home on a saturday um you know mm. we, we can easily get another 80 odd brighton fans i'd say you know you can you can definitely see there's a boost in attendance when brighton are away from home so it's, oh, really? so it's so it's great that you know Brighton come along and uh, support us, put a few quid in the coffers, which is which is really good. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, because I think the Albion Raw guys, the other podcasts, they do. Um, I think they they pop along to games and friends of the show do as well. Andy Bass, I think, a listener to our show. Hello, Andy. Um, I think he. I think I'm right in saying he pops along as well to games there. So I know I've, I've heard good things and. We've mentioned a couple of other bits to move on to. And well, actually, Peter, I was going to quickly ask you, Peter Marsha, this. Um, what's your take on the thing about the National League not being allowed games? Just quickly on that one, while we mentioned it a few minutes ago. Um, any sense to that at all? No, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. The whole kind of non-league structure was all kind of handled very weirdly. Yeah, in terms of the, first of all, yeah, in terms of them cancelling so early at the seventh level down. Yeah. And obviously you guys didn't get mentioned too much, actually. I think it was like South Shield's got a huge mention. There's a lot of talk about it. Jersey, you won every game at like the ninth Jersey level. Like that. Yeah. But there was yeah. never any, there wasn't really, Worthing weren't really mentioned much, mainly because I think your chairman didn't shout as loudly as uh, the South Shield's one, who I remember being very, very vocal about the, understandably, because they were an equally good position as you guys. Um, but yeah, I think that they jumped in too quickly when the, the National League hadn't announced anything. And similarly, it's equally bizarre these days when teams in the National League, you know, why can't they have people at, great, at games when, you know, the seventh tier down can? It's it's a very, seems very randomly allocated almost, like someone's just thrown a, just thrown a dart at something, a dartboard to the side house that like doesn't, you know, where it, where it changes. The, the reason that the National League can't have fans in the, in the ground is because after, um, when they came to the decision to, to play their playoffs, they went from amateur status to elite status. They went to elite sports status. So they've done that to enable themselves to do the playoffs, and now they, they, they can't have fans in. If they had stayed as they were, uh, maybe done a points per game thing for the, for the whole league, um, they, they, you know, they, they could probably have fans in at the moment. But 
they wanted that level to do the playoffs. So unfortunately, they sort of shot themselves in in the foot. Yeah, that does seem. It would have been better to just have a top two go up or something and just said points per game or or even just cancel it like you guys did and then have yeah teams. It does seem very weird that they that yeah they seem to have made a decision like that not knowing or maybe I suppose they didn't know what would happen on that basis. But yeah, well they should have, they should have done points per game across all the leagues mm. because such a high percentage of games have been played. Um, that's my yeah. opinion, and it was like from our step of non-league, step three, or or step six in the in the football pyramid. We're supposed to be a football family, and then it was like you lot aren't important. And that's, actually, that's I, the way I, we felt. If you're just down the bottom, maybe you can understand it being, a, you know, being a positive. But if you've actually only got like some non-league teams, I know at the bottom have only got like ten points all season. I don't see staying up as a positive because you'll have the same problem next season and you'll lose all your games probably as well, unless suddenly you somehow manage to make a million or load of great signings, which is unlikely. So you'd have thought that you want to go down to a level that you're better at, you might win at, rather than be stuck in a level where you're winning ten points all season when it can't be fun for fans. Yeah, not benefit anyone really. Yeah, and I think there's going, to, there's going to be certain clubs this season who I think in, in their respective leagues, because of COVID, um, will struggle financially. And they'll be like, well, if we'd have got relegated, we'd have probably been better off you know, than, than what we are now. So, yeah, there is, it's, it's, it will be very interesting this season to see the, the tables at the end um, and, and compare them to sort of last season and how similar they are. Because at the moment, there's a, a pattern developing in our league where you can sort of see... The teams that struggling last season are, sh- are sort of struggling again. Um, yeah, a couple, a couple have got off to good starts, to be honest. Um, but but most of them, you know, the sort of table, the table is resembling like the top six or seven at the moment. Apart from one team, is basically the top six or seven from last season after five six games. So which I suppose a lot of teams probably didn't change their, you know, people players weren't looking to leave so much maybe because of the issues and that sort of thing. The Premier League, I mean, in, in, in comparison, is uh, looking very odd this year. No one draws at all. And there's like a, you know, 10 goals per game, pretty much. It's kind of, no, no defences seem to have turned up this season. Which, which, which is a good thing for the Premier League, because yeah. it, it sells a product, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Pay-per-view. Oh, we won't get into that one. <laughs> um, speaking Hold of back, Russ, till, till Thursday. You've got till Thursday. <laughs> We're going to have a big rant on that one, I'm telling you. But anyway... Um, uh, stay tuned for that one. Robin will be joining us on that pod. But sticking with this one, um, and speaking about teams um, maybe matching last season with this season, glad to say, so far, it looks like Worthing are. Got off to a great start. Your rivals for or nearest rivals for promotion last year were Folkestone and Victor, I think I'm right in saying. And you got off, didn't you get off to a winning start there last, uh, the first week of, is it 2-1? Yes, it was 2-1 on the first day of the season. Uh yeah, uh, that was the Folkestone and Victor we played last season on the first day of the season and we lost 2-0. Uh-huh. And, that, and that was the only away game that we lost last season. Uh-huh. So, to go, yeah, so, so to go back there and avenge that defeat on the first day of last season was, um, was, was very nice. And From it, what yeah, you could see anyway. From what, from what I can see behind the tree. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks for throwing that in. Um, so yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it, it was absolutely great. And I had the honour of driving some of the management and a couple of players up in a green minibus that day, Bogner Green. 
it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to say, looking at the other results, I've got here, it wasn't your only away win so far. You've been starting with away games. We'll come into why in a moment, but I've got it here. I've got the order right here. 4-0 away at Kingstonian. Um, 3-1 away at Lewis, our friends down the road in Sussex. And then um, there's a Leatherhead game that we won't mention, uh, which was uh, the only defeat, I think. Was it 4-3? Sounds entertaining. Well, you've mentioned two teams already in that that Brighton have lost against in the FA Cup. <laughs> Leatherhead yes, and Kingstonia. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thanks for mentioning that, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, overall, though, it got off to a good start. You've come, I think you came from behind to win the last one against Bowes and Pitsy, wasn't it? I think. As yeah, well. Bowes um, and Pitsy on Saturday. Yeah, we came from behind. Uh, and was that a home game? Was that, was that a home that was one? Our, our first home game at, at Horsham being play, played at the, uh, the Camping Community Stadium, I think. It's right. <laughs> so, so, to explain why you've had a load of away games followed by a home game that's not quite a home game. Um, I'm not going to ask Ange um, what the update is on it, but she can explain at least why you're doing all those things. Peter's pointing at her. <laughs> She's the person to put on the spot. Oh. Why, why are all these games not happening at Woodside Road? Explain. Yes, I, I shall. Well, um, as, uh, as you know, we had uh, some considerable works done in respect of the floodlights and the new units and uh, and. Uh, that, that particular area of work. So that was a, a big block of work. We got the grant um, to do that, and that was absolutely great. But the, something that has been um, been on the cards now for quite some time has been the uh, repairs to the pitch. So when the pitch was first laid, uh, at um, when George took over, he, um, he had a, a new 3G pitch laid, which um, should have been all-weather pitch, um, so you know, community use and all of that. Um, however, in the first, uh, the first winter, the pitch flooded, uh, which obviously shouldn't have done. And we've got some great photos of, um, of the, uh, the carpet, the sort of artificial turf on top, floating on top of it, somebody pushing their hands on it, and the whole thing's fluctuating like a big waterbed, uh, which obviously it shouldn't have been doing. Uh, so the, um, the people who had, um, they were accredited, um, an accredited construction company who uh, should have been absolutely fine. They came out and uh, agreed to do some repairs to the pitch, which involved cutting the carpet and then lower, laying drainage uh, channels through the sub base of the um, of the pitch, which uh, which did indeed sort out the drainage problems. So putting all the drains in, great. Uh, the water did indeed drain away, but we were left with um, quite a number of cuts in the carpet where they'd obviously have to cut the thing open to get the drainage in there, which then meant that the surface uh, wasn't um, wasn't as smooth as it should be. So as you, you probably know, they do a ball rolling test, so they roll the ball, it's got to be able to go a certain distance without, uh, without deviation. And uh, obviously by this time it was not doing that. Uh, the, the FA and um, uh, the FIFA sort of assessors were extremely um, supportive and accommodating because it basically wasn't our fault. And uh, they've been extremely helpful about that. So although we had to play a number of games away initially at, at Bogner um, in, uh, a few years ago, which, uh, which wasn't particularly enjoyable, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, the, uh, we were still able to continue to play uh, on the pitch. And each, uh, each summer, we were looking forward to getting the pitch repaired and getting it all sorted out. But um, there have been 
a variety of problems that I won't go into, uh, but um, we are now teetering on the brink of getting it sorted out. <laughs> but it does mean that um, once again, we, we well, the uh, FA said that um, we could no longer uh, have the men's teams playing on there because the performance of the pitch has slowly deteriorated. And so it's not um, it's not good enough to meet the, the level that's, that's required. And that is why we have um, gone off to Horsham. And I have to say the, the league and the FA have been so supportive in respect of reversing fixtures. And uh, then Horsham have been absolutely brilliant. So we've um, uh, we've been working with them and they've uh, we've, we've been using or we're going to have their pitch, um, their ground for the next game um, and possibly a couple more. But they, uh, I have to put a big thank you into Horsham, who have been really helpful. It was our first home game and our first um, dealing with COVID, if you if you liked, of how to to manage a ground using COVID. And uh, the Horsham uh, team have, were supported by having their own stewards there to help out. They had some of their own volunteers helping us. Uh, they provided um, the sanitizer gun for half time, which is where they go around and clean all of the barriers. So they, they've got a gun with sanitizer and they clean all of the barriers that you're leaning against and the crossbars on the um, on the goals. So we uh, we watched one of the uh, go around there at half time and clean them all down. And so they, they were really supportive of us. So it's a big thank you to them. Um, although hopefully we're, we're hopefully not going to be there for much longer, but it's very nice of them to have us whilst we uh, do have to go there. So that's kind of where we are at the moment, I should say. Brilliant. And for um, anyone that's thinking of going to Worthing Games in the future or anyone that's just curious in general, I'm assuming, um, maybe maybe wrong, I don't know, but I'm, I've got the feeling you're a passing team. You like to get the ball on, on the deck and pass it around. Is that right? And if so, well, that's going yeah. to be a, a big difference, isn't it, if you've got the pitch right or not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've got, a, well, Brighton's youngest ever captain, Adam Hinshelwood, as manager of Worthing. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, he, he likes to get it down. He likes, it, you know, the players to play attractive football. Like I say, uh, last season when I was able to, I was going to, uh, following all the training sessions because I was going up there to get interviews for... Rebel yell and the, you know uh, clips we could play before the commentary or the rest of it. So I'll be up at training all the time, just watching his is the way he work, he works with the players. Um, he's absolutely brilliant at, at doing that and and co you know the coaching side. And um, yeah, so yeah, a pa definitely a passing team, a, attractive team. Uh, Saturday we were one nil down. Uh, he, he went in originally with a, I think it was a four three three. Um, and he changed it after 20 minutes. He, he made a substitution, changed it to a, a free three five two. It looked like to me uh, to make us, uh, you know, put us on the front foot. Um, and, it, and it totally worked. And if you watch the highlights of that game, which are available on uh, Worthing FC TV on YouTube, <laughs> then then you will see that we, you know, we all, all the chances were Worthing chances, Worthing attack after it's just wave after wave of attack. Uh, we, we we got lucky with the goal. Uh, defender tried to clear it, um, rebounded off the uh, attacker's knee and went in the back of the net. Uh, but the player's got to be, he's an attacker, he's got to be there. Johnny on the spot. Sounds like a Glenn Murray goal, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he, he goes in. We, yeah, we walk, yeah we, walk away with, we walk away with three points on our first home game of the season. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm glad that Adam Hinchwood is doing well because he was always one of those players at Brighton who did so well initially and then had an injury and was never quite the same afterwards. But when he first came into the team, he was brilliant and he looked like he's one who was going to go right to the top early initially. Although he's not massive, was never you know big tall for a centre half, but he he looked so composed on the ball and he he looked like he'd definitely move on above where Brighton were at that stage. And yeah, it's a real shame that you know he had a bad injury and he never quite looked. The same afterwards, in in my view, but he, you know, he still did okay, but he was never quite as good as often yeah. happens. He was out and, for quite a long time. Yeah, and then he had recurring injuries, didn't he? Yeah. So, so that was, you know, sort of put paid to his um, his career. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I've ch- I've chatted with him about it and everything, and you know, sort of the uh, the effect of it and how he came into. You know, um, managing because I think at one point he he was do he was doing something totally different, and I think it was him and his brother-in-law. And I said, why we, why don't we just get back into football? Um, and you know, he's he's at, he's at Worthing. He's he's a dog. It's his second spell at Worthing, um, which I didn't realise for a while that he, that he was with us for a little bit. Um, went away. I think he went to he went to Hastings. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then he's, he's he's come back, and yeah, he's absolutely adored by the fans because. Because of the way he plays football, he wants to get it down. Um, he wants to bring you through, he, he, you know, and and that's what fans want to see as well. They want to see young players coming through. They don't want to see you know people bringing people in from you know miles away. If we've got local good local talent, he will give them a chance. And I think we've got a great relationship with Brighton as well because we've got your um, we had Carl Rushriff last season. Who was apparently being scouted by Barcelona when he was with you, allegedly, according to uh, rumours, which was one of the more bizarre stories I heard last season. Yeah, but but apparently there's a lot of truth to it. Yeah, uh, so... he made a brilliant save. I seem to remember there was one that was all over the highlights. That he was almost behind him or something, wasn't it? Or yeah, he was. I think he was, he, he was brilliant. I think it was against Kingstonian, and for all the world, and I was commentating that game for all the world. That ball was going. It was, it was a goal. It was, you know, uh, centre forward, three yards out, uh, bangs, heads it on target. He's managed somehow to get it behind him and, and just tip it, tip it. One of the best saves you'll ever see, you know, probably better than Pele's. Um, <laughs> That's but, the thing, isn't it? It could, it could be just as easily. There's no reason why not. It's just that nobody yeah. will... See it on yeah. the same scale, and it's a, it's a gutter, isn't it? Yeah, we'll probably so, won't be laid so much on TV, will it, over the years? No. But um, I think I think I think it went viral, though. Um, but yeah, uh, Carl Rushworth was absolutely fantastic. And this season, we've got Rocco Reese. He he came to us at the start of last season because Rushworth was injured, um, and seen and then obviously he went back to you guys, um, and then seeing him back this season. And obviously, he's a young goalkeeper, but seeing how much he's grown and how how much he's you know really filled out, and you're like, well, now he now he looks like a proper goalie. Um, and he's he started, you know, you done a great double save on on Saturday as well. Again, you can see it on the highlights, um, so I don't have to describe it all. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, a great relationship between Adam Hinshelwood and Brighton. Um, yeah, and if you've got any other, you know, little. Talented people, you could uh, chuck it across. Yeah. It. Nice. Oh, we've got plenty. We have got plenty of goalkeepers and centre backs, haven't we, Peter? We we seem yeah. to have an orchard of them. It's just, well, produ- uh, production line central midfielders now as well. It's the, it's yeah. the, it's the strikers. <laughs> we, yeah. It's the strikers yeah. we really don't have coming oh, through. Or the yeah. well, if you've got if you've got a decent centre back, 
then yeah, oh, we've got millions of them. We get, got... <laughs> get in touch with Adam then. Get in touch with Adam. Phone him now. Phone him now, yeah. please. There are some good players there, and um, we could even be with an international flavour now. We're getting people from all over. But um, one of one of the guy um, who's got a connection with the Albion from our our um, youth ranks originally. Jesse Starkey, who um, I think it might have been James said on on the on the, one of the communications I have with you guys, has um, just about the longest span in uh, in football, but not for an atrocious, uh, you know, an Eric Cantona style challenge, more for the fact that he still has a ban for a game that, as you've described, was one of the thirty four friendlies last year. Yeah, and that was that. I think that was another thing that stuck in every everybody's mm. throat that, that all the fines. I don't Suspe- suspensions, red cards counted. So yeah, Jesse Starkey got sent off. Uh, he got sent off earlier in the season. Then he received two red cards, two games running. So he had a seven-game ban. He played, I think it was five of them, six of them. So yeah, so he had his suspension all the way through the COVID break, <laughs> and then uh, a suspension for the first game of the season. And you'd have thought it said right, you know, because of what happened last season. Keep the fines and everything, but let's drop the suspensions. You know, just a bit of sensible decision making. Uh, but they didn't. So yeah, probably one of the, you know, yeah, probably longer than Cantona's ban. Yeah, <laughs> probably was at the end. Yeah. Same reason. Not for the same reason. Not for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, and, and his second red card. Um, it's a two games in a row. No, it was the first red card he got, which was at Bishop Stawford. Um yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't deserved in my opinion. Um, but you know, the, we we do have a problem with referees at this level that they're not very good. <laughs> we, yes. I think we have that at all levels, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah even at least at least you don't have VAR ruining no, it anyway. I, I, I was just about to say, at least we haven't got VAR. Because at, least, at least when you score, you know you can just look at the linesman's flag and then celebrate, rather than having to wait like half an hour to decide. That's it. That, and I'll tell you what, it makes a world of difference. And I think, I think the reason that they've brought VAR in to get rid of human error, and now I'm like, mm. I'd prefer to have the human error. Yeah, and to be honest, I was in favour of it at first because we had quite a lot of decisions oh, okay. go against it the previous season. But actually, it's, there's just as much human error with VAR. There's ridiculously picky things like someone being an inch offside that no one was ever complaining about. It was a clear offside some people were complaining about, or the, yeah. or the, you know, the clear fouls, or whatever. It wasn't the fact that someone was two two millimeters offside by the edge of their toe. Yeah, and they're also now picking up on ridiculous things like this new handball rule, which oh. is ridiculous, and which they've already changed after four games or something, and it's still wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's human bias as well to add into that. Yeah. That, does, that hasn't changed with VAR. It just means they've they've got an extra tool to work with to, to be biased. Yeah. Maybe, and Manchester United still have like extra time as long as they want before they so they can score. <laughs> not that we're bitter. At no, all, I'm not, definitely not bitter. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> you can tell we're all over it. <laughs> the problem with VAR is it, it stops the flow of the game, really, doesn't it? So it's um it's like stopping and starting. Whereas uh, you know you you kind of get into a flow of the game, the the teams mm. teams are playing in a certain kind yeah. of way, and it's exciting and interesting to watch. And to then have it um, interrupted and pulled up, you know, pulled to a halt, and everybody has to wait for it, and then they all go back on again. It's um it doesn't it doesn't feel like a proper game of football. Yeah, and it and it just seems really weird. They they take ages over even the simplest decision. So you'll see you'll get a decision that should have been overruled. Fair enough, but it'll take two minutes, and it was clearly offside. 
by quite a distance and they'll, and they'll ponder over it for two minutes and look at it from every angle and they'll come to the conclusion that it should have been overruled as it was right. But it will take, you know, one one view, one view should have seen that, maybe two if you'll be checking again. Football uh, mm. by committee. It's never good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I'm very conscious of time. We'll probably wrap up quite soon. I've just been on the Dark Star IPAs, and I, Peter was saying, Peter Vale was saying, um, he had a bit of a moody pint. I think it was a moody pint. I don't think it was a bad, bad beer in general. But I've had one of those. I've just opened a Hepcat, which you might have heard uh, being popped open earlier. Great stuff from Chipsy Hill Brewery. It's in Palace Territory. But it's very nice to recommend them. Available in there. Uh, all good uh, supermarkets. I hope you're not um, going to drink it on Sunday. Maybe. Uh, yes, we're playing Paris, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, P word. And I was yeah. going to say, other brands are available. <laughs> exactly. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, but um, on the subject of um, rivalries, um, quick question. Well, you mentioned you've got Bishop Stalford, who, who, they're coming up soon. When have you got your rivals? Bogner, because on, on an away game at Palace once, uh, I was on the train with a load of Albion fans, Palace fans sitting in the middle, we were standing at either end just having a bit of banter between ourselves, and um, uh, I, I was obviously saying I was from Worthing, these guys were from Bogner, so we had a, quite a bit of banter, um, I think just in general it's a, it's a thing between the two towns. In terms of football, it's the big rivalry, isn't it? When have you got those guys? Is it coming up soon? No, it's not till, um, I think, it, is it I think it's Horsham on the 28th of December, I think. Yeah. And then it's probably Bognor on New Year's Day. Like yeah, it was it's like. it's oh, right. kind of a New yeah. Year one, isn't it? We've yeah. had it's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, well that's, they, they call it our classic coast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, what we, that's what we call it. It's such a, it's such a big game. Yeah. And, and like right. say, it, a lot of inflatable, uh, inflatable bits and pieces being taken along, which, uh, which are so lovely. <laughs> Beach balls, flamingos. Well, I think we had an inflatable footballer last time as well, didn't we? Classic New Year's Day and, things, then. Yeah, and cassette players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, in the meantime, yeah, so you've got Bishop Stalford coming up quite soon at home. But before that, you've got Margate. For all of our Margate listeners, I'm sure we've got loads of them uh, on this podcast. Um, if you happen to happen to live in Margate and you're in the area, pop along. They're playing three o'clock on Saturday, aren't they? Margate at home to Worthing. Um, You've got to be looking for a win there. I mean, your away form is superb. Um, yeah. Very best of luck to them in that game, definitely. Do you, do you reckon you're going to win that one? Yeah, we, we beat them away last season and they've had a very iffy start to the season. I think they've, um, they drew against two at a time, um, two of the sides that were in the top six last season. But um, Margate were a big physical team. They always are. We find that with the Kent teams. They're always big physical, big physical lads. Um, so, but... As long as Worthing can get at them and play our own game and don't get yeah. drawn into, you know, because um, a lot of these teams just play sort of a long ball game. Uh, yeah, you know, and they're just... lower mid. I'm looking at the table. They're lower mid table, uh, point per game ratio so far yeah. this season. So it's the sort of team you've got to grind out the result maybe against, I guess. Yeah, maybe a bit exactly more. what we did last season. Off it, it was the 74th minute when we got the first goal last season. We beat them 2 0. Um, he was a brilliant Ricky Aguiar free kick, and he's another youngster you need to keep your eyes out for. Um, right. Yeah, so yeah, we, we we're going there in good spirits. Um, I'll be there on the commentary. I'll yeah. be listening. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll be checking that out uh, at the moment. Just to explain the table, Carl Shorten atop with um, I've got thirteen from six here, but you've got twelve from five ahead of a couple of other clubs on the same, including Haringey Borough, which is actually just down the road from where I'm 
speaking to you now. Um, I've got a couple of mates who are in my Sunday football team who are Harrow, Harrow, sorry, Harringay Borough fans as well as Arsenal fans. Uh, it's the classic, isn't it? The two-team thing. Um, Chesons, which is also just up the road from me, just going in the other direction. And the aforementioned Bishop Stortford, not far behind. So it's quite compressed at the top at the moment. So you've got to keep the run going for two or three more weeks to stretch it out a bit, haven't you? Um, but very best of luck with that. Um, what I wanted to finish with with you guys on was the person you mentioned earlier on, George Dow, who is the owner. Um, you said he's been with the club, I think, is it five years since he took over? I should at this point ask Pete, the other Peter, Peter Marsh, um, are you familiar with the programme The Undateables? I have heard of, of it, yes. I've watched it a couple of times. Yeah, because I think I'm getting this right. I'm hoping I'm going to get it right. He appeared on that programme, um, Looking for Love. Um, I, I, I'm not somebody that's actually watched that programme much. I happen to have watched it probably three or four times in my life. And one yeah, of the episodes was, was that one when he was on. And um, didn't know who he was, obviously, at the time. Followed it. Then he mentioned this from Worthing. I thought, oh, okay, interest. I'll have a, have a look at it. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, I think he did get successful, didn't he? He found love, I believe. I don't, I'm not sure if he did or not. I can't, can't remember now. Not, not, with, not with the person on the show. <laughs> oh, not with... Oh, OK. So afterwards, that uh, was it. Yeah, it was a follow-up thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But he's... he's. Um, I think... I'm not, not sure if I'm getting this right, but didn't he have... He was involved in an accident or something like that, got a payout and used some of that money to, towards buying the club. It was something along those lines, wasn't it? Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Do you want to tell this, Angela, or do you want me to? Um, you, you go ahead. Yeah, because okay. it's an interesting story. I like, I like this. Please tell yeah, us. Yeah, he, 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 he was with a group of friends coming from um, McDonald's at, at Arundel, I understand. And, uh, yeah, um, there was no drinking or anything involved, anything like that. Um, just the, the chap lost control of the car. Um, and, and George uh, was lucky, lucky enough to... Um, survived the accident from what i understand uh so yeah he's 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 spent a few weeks not not even knowing what had happened he was um you know unconscious um yeah so but obviously a, you know a life a life-changing event um mm-hmm. from somebody who was who was trying to break into the into the worthing team himself as a player um to then to be confined confined to a wheelchair uh obviously you know, you hugely life changing. Um, how you how you, we would deal with it, I, I don't know. But mm. George obviously, uh, you know, uh, took took the ball for, by the horns. Um, he, he got compensated for the accidents, and yeah, he's, he's used that money to uh, progress Worthing. And I think that's why the, the academy at Worthing is so important to him for young players to try and uh, drive them forward. Um, and, and provide a, a pathway for them to the top of the game, the same way he wanted to, you know, was trying to provide a pathway for himself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, there's lots there's lots of interviews about it. You you can find them on YouTube. Um, you know, if you want to hear, hear the whole story, I've just sort of surmised it. Um, obviously, because we haven't got all night, um, and and I'm sure you know. One day you might be able to get George on yourself to have a chat with him about it. Yeah, I'd love to, love to, yeah. Because, I mean, he came across pretty well on that programme. I've, I've heard him interviewed on, I don't know if you were familiar with On the Left Side, which is one of those really bite-sized podcasts. I've actually stopped doing it recently, but he popped up on there um, just talking. I mean, it's normally just a jokey, um, sort of almost like a sketch show of the week's football news, but they randomly did this 
completely different tone. They, they got him in for an interview of roughly the same length, about 10 minutes, talking about um, his, you know, his, in, in taking over the reins at uh, Worthing. It was, uh, it was quite interesting. So he's popped up here and there and everywhere. Um, yeah, we'd love to get him on at some point. That would be good. But in the meantime, I think it's a really good story and it's great to know there's a real passion project behind it. Pretty similar to Tony Bloom at Brighton, but obviously, you know, he's got the, the extra motivation. I didn't actually remember the, the fact that he'd been on the books at Worthing, which makes it all the more poignant. And I guess that explains the tie to, to the club, doesn't it, as well, which is which is great. So um, it'd be a, uh, certainly be a pleasure to meet him at some point. I'll have to get down to Worthing. I know the times are a bit weird at the moment to encourage people to go along, but if I suppose they can always inquire if tickets are available um, using the club's website. Um, yeah. in just, the longer just term, don't go to Worthing at the moment, because apparently on Saturday... We had quite a few fans turn up ex expecting a game for some reason. <laughs> so don't turn up at Worthing at the moment, please. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, not at the moment. But, but have a look, you know, you can look on social media, you can look on the internet and check out games if you are in the area or you can be in the area. Worth having a look. We'll probably do other um, features on non-league clubs as well in uh, forthcoming weeks. But for the first one of these, which is a bit of a passion project of mine, I'm really pleased that you guys have joined us. So thank you very much to Angela Tanner and to Peter Vale for joining us. Thanks, obviously, yeah, to my co-host. Thanks a lot, guys. It was really interesting. Nico. It's really yeah, enjoyable. Thank you, thank you for having us. You guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was all last was, minute. I was thrown. I was thrown in. I was like, it was like. Yes. Yeah, I should have been a football tonight, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope you haven't got into too much trouble. I, I noticed you were commandeering a second beer being brought to you during the pod, uh, Peter, earlier on. I hope you haven't got into trouble for doing that. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely not. But, you know, it was just... It, whatever. I did mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There's always watching all the time. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us, guys. We really enjoyed it. It's I good to put it. names to the the faces um in terms of um what i've heard already on the podcast um i'll be looking out for results and if i get down to worthing which i will do my folks are still down that way i will be sure to look in if i get the chance and tickets allowing in the near future in the meantime thanks again to, to peter Ange. thank you thank you please yeah and please do join us again in the future and um from me and peter thanks very much and as we always say at the end stand or fall up the albion <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.